washing dishes at a restaurant or somebody, you know, that picks up your garbage. Uh, these are people that do the, the hardest work, but make it possible for us to have this this uh, standard of living. Um, but, but let's honor them on May 1st, if anything. And then also, um, let's all stand in, in solidarity, just like you and I have, Dr. Floyd Harris, because you know we've gone through some battles with this uh, system here in Fresno, and, and, and we've gone through some battles nationally, too, you know, and, and I think it's a, it's a never-ending battle. It's a never-ending fight, uh, but let's not lose the, the faith because I think and the confidence in each other because uh, that's what they want us to do. So when I see you out there, whether you're running for mayor or whether you're calling out the police department or you're leading a march in the community that where you're you're not even you know expected to be, but you're there. <laughs> to me, that you know, that's that's what that's what I call leadership, and we we need people are inspired by that and. And so let's keep doing that, those of us who can, and those of us who, who can't, you know, let's do, do what we can, but let's stand on the right side of justice. Because when the history books are written, I want to be on the side that said, yeah, I, I stood, you know, on the right side of justice. Right, right. Maybe hard right now, but that's what we want to do. <laughs> I hear you, I hear you. Listen, Brother Tony, uh, I'm going to try to click, I've been trying to click you in here at 3205. Are you there? 3205, are you there? 3205, okay, let me try 7285. 7285, you there? Okay, okay, I hear somebody, let me see. Okay, who is that? Can you hear me? Yeah. Hi, well, this is, this is your uh, David Paredes. Hey, what's hey, going on, you, Brother David? Can you hear me, Pastor? Yeah, I hear you. I hear both of y'all now. I hear both of y'all. Can you go ahead? Uh, first. <laughs> can you go ahead? Uh, can you hear me? Yes, sir. We hear you loud and clear. Go ahead. Hello. Hello, Brother Tony. I hear you. Go ahead. Hello, hello. Something must be wrong with his phone. Yes, sir, we hear you. Go ahead. Are you there, right, Tom? be trolled, Dr. Harris. <laughs> let me send him a message. And let me just tell him. Brother Tony, just start talking. Let me see if I can send him a message. Hello? Yes, sir. Go ahead. Hello. Let me see if I can send him a message. Hello. Let me send him a okay, message. Okay, there we go. All right, can you hey, hear me? Tonight's show. Definitely. All right. Thank the song. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hey, look. Uh, tonight's show was definitely on point. Um, tonight's show was definitely on point. Uh, Brother Raphael really brought, brought it, and I wish to God we could get more and more men out here like this black, brown, and uh, pink and purple. We need more people like you say on the front lines, and um, we need more people who are willing to do like we did in the old days get out there and speak up and speak out, right? Mm -hmm. Right. 
Well, I mean, that's that's why the Black Black Panther Party, you know, uh, I believe they they that was their philosophy. You know, I mean, most people think, uneducated pe people think that the Black Panther Party was a bunch of thugs and hooligans, but the really thugs and hooligans was the Oakland PD and the government uh, at that time. And still, that's right. And, and still today, it's thugs and hooligans, uh, those who pushing bad policy. Um, so I think that, that, like you said, I think that things has been done in this country. I just think that we need to, to start educating ourselves, understanding the sacrifice they did, uh, and apply it to what's going on today, you know? And so I think mm -hmm. that's why Brother Ralphie has, has, has pushed this movement May 1st. Um, and I mean, we have Fresno, we have Houston. Now, understand something. I want to make sure everybody understands what I'm about to say. When we say Fresno, Fresno is the leading city that Houston, Phoenix, Oregon, Colorado, El Paso, Sonoma County, Sacramento, San Bernardino County, and the Bay Area, they are following our lead here in Fresno. So understand the city that you're in, that you have all these other states following the lead of Fresno under the leadership of Brother Ralphie and the coalition that he has built and supported. So that's huge within itself. I mean, people in Fresno really don't understand and appreciate the organizers that we have. We have the best organizers in the whole state of California, if not the whole country, because we know how to mobilize within. If something happened at 10 o'clock tonight, I promise you by 11, we'll mobilize the whole community to be there. That's how that's how good we are. That's how God has made us. The Creator has made us to know how to do what we do. So understand that this is not no lightweight stuff we're doing. Friday, we have other states that's following our lead, brother Tony. Seventy-two eighty-five. Seventy-two eighty-five. Welcome to Doctor Harris Black Lives Matter show. Talk to us, brother David. Good, Hey, how's it going, Rev? Um, can you hear me all right? Yes, okay. sir. Loud and clear. Cool. Sounds good. So I just wanted to hop on and uh, really quickly thank you and Brother Ralphie for all the organizing you've done throughout the years here in Fresno. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty young, and I've learned a lot from the both of you, so I, I look up to the both of you. And, um, yeah, I, I see you guys as mentors, and um, looking forward to continuing the fight for years to come because there's a lot to fight for uh, a lot of injustices here in our city and um so just wanted to really quickly thank the both of you for all the work you've done throughout the throughout the year before my time um and i also wanted to just talk a little bit about uh in five seconds.
Hey, welcome everybody with Dr. Harris, Dr. Harris Black Lives Matter show. Uh, we have a hot show for you this evening. Uh, today is 5-4-2020, uh, we are here May, we're in the month of May, May 4th, 2020. Wow, I'm getting old, man, Ooh, I don't know what to say about that. Ah, man, got a lot of gray hair. Like a billy goat, man. Anyway, uh, <laughs> August 24th, your boy would be, um, um, well, be 50 years old. Man, remember when I was 18, 15, just crawling around, crawling around here in West Fresno. And um, got a hot show for you tonight. Uh, I want to give a shout out to all of the freedom fighters across the world. Uh, also, give condolences to all of our uh, friends and families who have lost loved ones with the COVID. Uh, we're still <clears throat> not out of danger yet, folks. Um, so we still got to do what we got to do. Um, you know, some of us still have to work. A lot of us don't have the privilege to stay home and work out of our homes. We still um, um, have people, our family members working out in the fields. Uh, and you know, so it's just, just really, it's a lot going on right now. And, uh, and so, you know, we just want to really, 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 um, uh, you know, be thankful, be thankful, uh, of what's, uh, going on, um, in your life. Uh, you may have it easy, you know, you may be one of those who, you know, work at home and, you know, uh, don't have the privilege to get out and, you know, this, this, this this element of this virus floating around in the air, uh, be thankful, you know, but there's a lot of us who are not, um, uh, 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 hey, hey, Denise there, Maria, there's a lot of us who don't have the privilege to stay home, you know, we have to get out here and get our grind on each and every day, uh, you know, so I don't complain, I just do what I got to do and do it moving and do it good, and so, you know, I'm, you know, I'm putting myself in danger, every day you know i don't have the luxury to stay at home uh and close the door and lock the door uh i have to get out there and get my grind on you know i'm a bachelor you know i i <laughs> i gotta if I, if I don't work i don't eat that's just the bottom line of it i believe the bible says that you don't work you don't eat so we're in a very particular uh very odd um situation right now when it comes to um 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 this society right now but we still have a lot of things still going on uh we still have a lot of uh injustice that's still going on a lot of you know that i'm an international civil rights leader uh speak truth to power just want to let everybody know tonight that i've started a new uh dr dr harris uh black lives matter podcast Uh, we have a podcast right now we also recording on the podcast, and I'm trying to learn those gadgets. There's a lot of gadgets, so I'm messing up as I go, but I'm learning as well. And, uh, you know, so this is what we call black media. I don't feel that Fresno has any black media. Well, I'm going to say we don't have black, have any black media. Uh, we do have Julia Dugley and what, what she does on her uh, um, on her television or whatever you call it, social media. So we do have some, but you know, Black Doctor Black Lives Matter show. We bringing it pure, we bringing it raw, and we bringing it straight. 
Uh, and that's just how we do it here. Uh, again, we're doing a podcast as I speak. We're live streaming and we're running blog talk radio at the same time. Like for all of you to tomorrow to tune in to uh, Maria Els and Allen Reed. They have a hot show for you tomorrow. Man, I mean, I, I <laughs> it's going to be hot tomorrow. You, you don't want to miss this show. Now, they want me to call in. I don't know why they want me to call in, but, you know, last time I tried to call in, I couldn't even get in on my own show. So, I don't know. I may call in. But anyway, tune into their show. You know, one of the things with me is, is that I, I really try to um, empower the women. Uh, I think Fresno... Not that I think. I know Fresno have a lot of male chauvinists here. Uh, they don't want, you know, women women to be suppressed. They don't want them to speak. They don't want them to have a voice. And I'm different. I, I want the women to have a voice. I want them to have a platform to speak. I think that that's one of the problems we have right now is that the black man and the black woman, we don't know how to come together and unite. But yet, we're, you know, it's like we're, we're in this competition thing where, you know, I'm competing against you and you competing against me. And, you know, and, and it's just really just it's, it's, it's really diluting our community right now, even in relationships. And man, I mean, I, I see it all the time. And it's like, you know, that that's things that we have to to work on. But the only way we work on that is we have to have a conversation about it. Who's having that conversation? And that's what's going to be happening tomorrow at eight o'clock with Maria Els and Aline Reed. They going to have a hot show tomorrow. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's and we want people to call into the show. You know, I created this platform for you all. You know, this this is, you know, your show. This is, you know, your opportunity to um, to be able to have a voice, to be able to to to, to talk about what you want to talk about when you want to talk about it. And so what, you know. I you know I'm sitting up here looking for my cord for my computer. <laughs> I thought I brought it in here. Uh give me one second. I don't want my computer to come off. Okay, I apologize about that. You know I don't you know, we try to, you know, think of everything when we do our shows, but it seems like we always forget something. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and plug this in real quick. Make sure we have some juice. Okay, we rocking and rolling, rolling and rocking. Okay, thank you. Uh, so the call-in number tonight is 516-387-1474. 516 um, uh, the topic tonight is going to be police brutality caught on tape and victim win. And I believe this brother name is Marcus Jesh, J-E-T-E-R. Now, on the, uh, I didn't get a chance to put, uh, I didn't get a chance to put the website on the Facebook Live. But if you go to my uh, uh, Facebook page, you will, you, you, I put the link on the Facebook calendar announcement and also put it on the blog talk uh um a hot 97 morning also put it on the blog talk need a professional website also put it on the blog talk um um let me one second also put it on the blog talk um 
um, I'm trying to say, lost my thought. I put it on the Blog Talk uh, uh, website. So you have it there. Please take a look at it. Um, it's heavy, man. It, it's about it's about 28 minutes um, of a... Uh, and I know that's long, 28 minutes. But I need for everyone to just stop what you're doing and watch this documentary of how this police... Let me put it like this. A lot of people think that I'm anti-police. Um, and I'm not. I'm anti-wrong when police violate the human rights and constitutional rights of our people. I'm anti-that, but I'm not anti-police. I believe that we do have police that uh, wake up every morning and want to do the right thing. But they are inside of an institution right now that there's a code of silence, okay? They are inside of a constitution right now that you have police investigate police. So we do have police who um, abuse their power, abuse their authority, and they're inside of a system that protects them, not in a sense of, Weeding them out. You know, you heard grandma, grandpa say, hey, you know, if there's a bad apple in the bucket, get the bad apple out because it's going to spoil the rest of them. Well, sadly to say, in America, we have that going on here in America. And so it's up to us to stand up when something is uh, done wrong in our community. Uh, we have to get these bad cops out, out, out of our police departments, you know. So... As I was, you know, researching today, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do a show tonight or, you know, whatever. I said, I'm going to do a show tonight. But I want you to watch this brother here um, talk. Then, it's tw it's about 28 minutes long. And I know that's kind of long. That'll probably take us up probably up to 8, uh, about maybe 8.45, 8.50, somewhere in there. And then I'm going to come back because I want I want us to talk about it. I want you to call in. I mean, the closest, well, there's many cases that I've dealt with over the 30 years of being a civil rights leader here in Fresno across the world. But, you know, Maria Elts had a case that went viral with her son. Hopefully she'll call in tonight if she feel like it. Uh, but I, I just want you all to see this because it's important for you to understand that you can do everything right when you come encounter with a police and you'll still get the short end of the stick. And this country right here now, today, always want to judge you by your past, not by who you are today, especially our black and brown men. You know, we, we, we can't never change our lives. Okay. But cops can be born again, Christians and all this stuff. And, Oh, I believe in Christ. I, you know, I'm not that same man anymore or same woman anymore. Well, our children change too. You know, they're not the same person they used to be 20 some years ago. But you don't let that slide. So again, there's a lot of white privilege going on here, and so I want to play this documentary. Uh, I'm gonna cut the lights off, kind of let you, you know, grab something cold to drink, hot to drink, get you some popcorn. This is Dr. Harris, Black Lives Matter show. 
We are coming to you live from the Golden West Side, the West Coast, the number one radio show in the world. Police brutality caught on tape, and the victim wins. Hey, brother Tony, sister Douglas, brother Tony, uh, I need for you to give me a call. I need to speak with you. It's very important. I've been looking for your number all day. But I just want to give a shout-out to everybody right now that's tuning in. Trying to say we'll get to Sister Pamela. Thank you for tuning in. Kenner, thank you for tuning in. Tanisha, thank you. Peach, thank you. Brother Nut, thank you. Philip, Sonia, thank y'all. Appreciate y'all love. Maria uh, Else, thank you. Looking forward to y'all show tomorrow. I've been pumping y'all up. Kimberly, thank you for tuning in. Uh, Sharon, thank y'all for y'all support. Who's that? Letty Jones, thank you. Renee, thank you. Appreciate Sister Denise. Denise, we found the banner. I'll talk to you about it later. Uh, Okay, so let's get ready for this here. Sit back and watch the show. Hot 97 Morning Show, a uh, special investigative report. We're uh, sitting here with uh, a young man by the name of Marcus Jeter. Uh, He's retiring after this season. And, uh, no, that's Derek Jeter, and they're not related. What? Yes. What the hell am I doing here? <laughs> no, you're here because uh, this young man was just put in a bit of a quagmire, uh, a pickle, because... Um, We'll start your story, Marcus. Uh, you're from Bloomfield, New Jersey, and you had a run-in with the cops, but they were lying. And as they're in the front door, I'm going out the back door. Um, my girl opens the door and tells the cops, oh, you know, we had an argument. You know, my little sister called. It was nothing serious. Um, he's actually leaving. You know, she's referring to me. Um, as I'm coming down the driveway, I, pull, I went out the back door. I'm driving down the driveway. Now, did you go out the back door because the cops were at the front? Well, I was going out the back door as they were coming in the front. You know? So you wasn't running from the cops? No, nah, I wasn't running from the cops. My car was in the back. You know, we got a driveway that goes to the back. So. Okay. Um, I get in the truck. I'm coming down the driveway, and I see the uh, officers at the end of the driveway. So yeah. the officer stops me, and he says, um, he says, you all right? I said, yeah. Now, at the same time, the officer, the one officer is stopping me. There's another officer at the door talking to her. And... Um, you know, she's like, oh, he's, uh, you know, everything's cool. He was just leaving, you know, nothing crazy. My little sister called, you know, it was nothing crazy. So, and, and real quick, uh, your guy's fight was intense, but it wasn't like she, this wasn't the end of the relationship or anything. Nah, this nah, was, nah, and she was. knew that. She yeah. knew this was just a bad fight. Yeah, it was just a bad fight. You know, not physical. We just, we've been together for a long time, you know. It was just one of those nights. Yeah, one of those nights. And um, as I'm at the end of the driveway, the cop says to me, says, uh, you know, are you good? I said, yeah, I'm good. He said, you sure? I said, yeah, I'm sure. He says, um, you sure? You okay? I said, yeah, I'm okay. I'm leaving. I just want to get out of here, you know. Just don't want to be in the house right now. So he's like, okay. And he turns around and walks away. Okay. So I said, okay, fine. And I took off down the driveway, pulled out, made a left out the driveway, and proceeded, you know, on my way. Perfect. And, um, you know, it's a little while. I had to make a couple of turns to get onto the parkway. The parkway's not too far from the house. I get on the parkway, and as I'm on the parkway, I just see some uh, police lights coming up behind me. So once the cop gets right behind me and realizes he's pulling me over, I pulled over, 
Um, not Which, speeding. You're not no, speeding. No, 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 I wasn't speeding. And by the way, uh, Marcus G is here. This is also this is on the video. So you can uh, see all this on the video. Uh, the not the not the him leaving the house. Right. Actually, no. Yeah, you, you can, can see, you see, see him leaving, leaving the house, house on the police cams. Uh -huh. Um, and they're not following him. Uh -huh. And then you see them pulling him over on the on, on the, the parkway. parkway. Okay, so they pull you over. So he pulled me over on the parkway, and um, the first thing I do, I went to roll the window down. You know. Thinking they're going to ask me for my license registration, stuff like that. As soon as I go, like, turn my head to look out the window, I see the guys have, the cop has a gun pointed at me. What? So as soon as he immediately he did that, I'm, I'm sitting there arguing. I'm like, hey, like, um, put your gun away. It's like, you just pulling me over. You're not asking me for my license registration. Nothing. And he's like, get the fuck out the car. I can say that, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> he's like, get out the car. Get out the car. So as I'm sitting um, I'm sitting in there, I said, no, I'm not getting out the car. I rolled the window back up. And I said, call my lawyer. I put my hands up. And the funny thing was I had my phone in my hand. And I dropped my phone because as I look to the right, I see the other officer with a shotgun pointed at me. So I dropped the phone while my hands were up in the car because I didn't want them, you know, to start thinking of something else. Yeah, don't get confused. You know, it's just a just the phone. Samsung <laughs> Galaxy or something. <laughs> so I dropped the phone and um, I'm just sitting in there and they like, you know, they still got the guns pointed at me and they cursing at me, telling me to get out the car. I said, I'm not getting out the car. I said, call my lawyer. So as I'm sitting there, they're trying to, they start then trying to um, open the doors, pull on the doors, see if they open. Nothing happens. So I guess at that point they call for backup. And as I'm sitting there, I see another car coming on the opposite side of the uh, Garden State Parkway. The car cuts across the divider onto uh, into oncoming into traffic. On, yeah, you like, see this on, on the, the camera too. And his car is coming. Yeah, he cuts buddy. across the cars. And as he's coming towards me, I'm just sitting there like he's about to hit me. He's about to hit me. And I'm like kind of bracing for the impact. Yeah. And he just rams in front of the car. So this, this other cop cut across the freeway and rams his car while he's sitting there well, with his hands in the I was air. Parked. I was parked. I was sitting there. The two officers were standing outside the car. So, you know, Damn, isn't that almost dangerous for the officers? It was like, dangerous for the officers, too. You know? So oh, so, they, so this guy, Psycho, rolls up, smashes into your car. Smashes into the car. And um, as he smashes into the car, um, the officer that was standing on my left just busts the window. And then they all come around. And then as they, they bust the window, and all glass just flew in my face, you know? So I'm like, ah, you know? And then... um. They open. They he was trying to open the door, but the door was locked. So he reached inside, and as he reached inside, he he unlocked the door. Once he unlocked the door, they opened the door, and as soon as he opened the door, one of them just punched me in my face. So now I'm in the car. He hits me, and your hands are still. My hands was up the whole time. He hits me like this, and I go ah. And as soon as he did it, he like they tried to pull me out, and they realized my seatbelt was on. So then he reaches in, and he's as he's trying to like he's reaching over me, trying to undo my seatbelt. And as he's doing that, he's elbowing me in my jaw, and he's like. Stop trying to take my gun. Stop resisting arrest. Stop trying to take my gun. And it sounds so, like, so, so pre, you know, meditated, like. Oh, it, was, it sounds fake. And yeah. even saying it. It was like they, they practiced this just in case, you know. But what now, I mean? but now on the video, you can see through the window of Marcus Jeter's car from the police dashboard cam, from the car that rammed him. It rammed into me. His hands in the air. Mm -hmm. The cop leaning over him. Him not doing anything, mm -hmm. and the cops screaming, stop resisting arrest, stop going for my gun. So you're watching this whole thing play out. Wow. So as as once they once they um he got the seatbelt off, they snatched me out the car and they slammed me on the ground and they put my head down in, on the concrete and they had they was holding me down and then my face was all in the glass and stuff on the ground. And at the same time, it's three of them, you know, they big, they big guys. So they 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 already had my hands behind my back and he's hit me on the top of the head saying, Stop resisting arrest, stop trying to take my gun, stop resisting arrest as he hit me on, on the top of the head. I think he had like a um a flashlight or a baton, something in his hand he was hitting me with. So once they did that and he got me up off the ground, I was handcuffed already. They slammed me on the back of the police car and uh, you know, searched my pockets, took all my stuff out, you know. And I'm just sitting there the whole time and said, I did nothing wrong, I did nothing wrong. So as 
And right, right as he was walking me to the back of the police car to put me in the back of the police car. Now, mind you, I'm already handcuffed. He gives me one more blow to the head with, with you know, with the, uh, the flashlight, whatever he had in his hand. And then he put me in the police car. So they go to the, um, take me to the, to the police department. I'm in the police department. They fingerprint me. They put me in the cell. Now I got, I'm bleeding all over. I got blood all over the place. They, um, they then have, um, some nurses come in and like try to clean me up and, you know, clean my wounds out and stuff like that. Then they leave. So now I'm, I'm in the cell for the whole time. Nobody coming in. Nobody said nothing to me. Nobody bothered me. Um, until, um, I guess about an hour or two later, you know, they pulled me out to, um, to ask me some, you know, I had to do some some more questioning, something mm-hmm. like that. So as I'm sitting there, I asked them if I could use the phone. I said, yeah, you can use the phone. And I asked them, I said, well, you know, what am I being charged with? And they said, oh, it's something domestic. So when they let me use the phone, I called my girl. And I said, well, I'm locked up. They got me in um, Bloomfield. And as I'm sitting on the phone with her, the officer goes, oh, um, that that's not your girlfriend on the phone. And I said, uh, why? And he's like, he's like um, you can't be on the phone with her because this is domestic violence. You got to hang up the phone. So he made me hang up the phone. That's not a real law. Exactly what I was thinking. So that can't be real. He made me hang up the phone, and he put me back in the cell. So I'm in the cell now, all the rest of the night. I'm just laying in there. Um, then towards uh, earlier that afternoon, um, two new officers, that's on you know I guess the shift change, come to um, transport me to the county. So um, they come into the uh, to the cell, and they have my bag. You know, you can see where my property was in, and I mm-hmm. seen that they have my insurance card and my registration card in there. So I sent to the officer. I say. Um, it was like a veteran officer. He had tattoos all over, you know, his arm and stuff. I said, can I have somebody come pick my property up from here? Because I seen that if they told my truck, I knew that if they told my truck, they would have to have, my girl would have to have the um, insurance card and the registration to get right. it out, you know, the path. Yeah. And he goes, oh, no, we don't we don't let nobody do that. We don't let nobody do that. I said, okay, fine, no problem. So he put me in a police car. And um, the, the guy, that, the officer that was driving, he was like a rookie. So as he, he gets, he puts me in first and he gets in the car, the driver's seat. And the other officer, the, the, the vet, He's over by the um, the boxes trying to get their guns out, whatever. And as I'm sitting in the police car, the, the rookie turned around and he says, yo, what did you do last night? And I looked at him like, what do you mean, what did I do? I said, what do you charge me with? And then as I'm saying that to him, the um, the vet officer gets in the car and he turns around and he says to me, he says, I heard you got beat up before Bloomfield got there last night. This is what he says to me. And I said, I said, your, your fellow officers beat me up. He says, nah, we wouldn't do that. Bloomfield wouldn't do that. And I said, all right, I ain't saying nothing else. And I sat in the car. They took me down to the county. Now, I was so beat up and bad looking that when I got to the county, they walked me into the door. The um, the COs that were sitting at the desk looked at me and said, did you go to the hospital? I said, no, I didn't go to the hospital. And he looked at the two officers. He said, um, did you guys take him to the hospital? And they said, oh, no, he signed a refusal. So they looked at me and said, did you sign a refusal? I said, I never signed nothing. So... As they were standing there, they called the um, the uh, CEO called the um, nurse and the doctor from the county, and um, they came over and they looked, they started checking me out. And they said, "Oh, we can't take we can't um, bring him we can't take him in because he has to go to the hospital first and they have to get cleared from the hospital before we can take him in." So, as I'm um, I'm sitting there, the nurse and doctor checking me out, and then the officers will go. They say, "Oh, well, we're gonna have him fax over a copy of the letter that he signed to not go to the hospital." So we was there for about five, ten minutes, and they couldn't get for some reason. And signed it. They couldn't it get exist, so. Yeah, they couldn't get the paper where I signed for you know refusing to do that. So they um the doctor says, "Oh, you gotta take him." 
So now I already knew that it was going to be an issue. I felt like, okay, now they're going to be all upset and whatever. So we get back in the police car. And as soon as we get in the police car, the veteran officer turns around. He says, you fucking pussy. You gay prick. You just, you know what you're doing. You just don't want to sit in the cell for these extra two hours. You know what the fuck you're doing. And I'm just sitting there and I ain't say nothing. So he took me to the hospital. They did the x-rays and they did all this stuff. And um, I, my ear kept bleeding. They couldn't stop my ear from bleeding. So we were in there for about an hour and a half. And he's pacing around the whole time. You know, like, oh, this is some bullshit. This is some bullshit. So um, as we, um, right when the, the nurse, the doctor wanted to give me a stitch in my ear, he goes, well, it's time to go. We can't wait for this any longer. So she's like, well, he needs a stitch. It keeps bleeding. She's, and he says, well, is there anything else you can do? So she goes, okay, we can give you um, a liquid stitch in his ear. And once it heals, it'll fall off, you know. So that's what she did. And they rushed me back to the county, dropped me off. And that was it. And I was down there for about two and a half, three days. They charged me with um, eluding. They charged me with um, resisting arrest, um, assault on officer, mm-hmm. trying to disarm an officer. Whoa! Yeah. You were busy that night. I was busy. Going ham. Night. You were going so, ham. The reason we're doing this special report is because now evidence has surfaced from the dashboard cams. Dashboard. We're here with Marcus Jeter, who was almost behind bars on some serious charges. Mm-hmm. The dashboard cams have come out from the Bloomfield So place. how did that come out? How, how did those come out? So... Well, okay, so I get bailed out. They told me my bill was 30000 so they had to go get a bond. I get bailed out. I get bailed out. The day I get bailed out, I have a couple of friends that are um, officers in East Orange uh, Police Department. I gave them a call. I said, listen, this is what happened. What do you think I should do? So one of my good friends, he said, listen, this is what you have to do. He says, um, call the Essex County Internal Affairs Division. Tell them your story. He said, they're going to tell you you have to call the municipality that it happened at also. But tell them your story first. And then when they tell you to call the municipality, then you call them and tell them the story also. So that's the first thing I did. So I called down to Essex County. I told them the story. They said, okay, cool. We, we took a note of your story. Now you have to call Bloomfield and report the story with their internal affairs because that's what happened. So I did that too. I called internal affairs. The guy sat over the phone and I told him the whole story and he, he was typing and writing at the same time. And it was things that I was saying to him that he was like, it was almost like he already knew the story, but he didn't know what did some of the things I was saying as as far as the cop car coming across the divider hitting me. It was like, oh, it was a shock to him. Like he didn't know that happened. So, I, you know, I told all of this. So um, he said, OK, we're going to do an investigation and uh, we'll let you know, you know, what happens after that. So um, the next day I go get a lawyer. And I told my lawyer the story, you know, and nobody believed me. It was just a crazy story. No, the story insane. It's insane. It's insane. Yeah. It was just like, you know, all of this was happening and nobody was believing me. So we got a letter about a week later from the internal affairs. He says, okay, we're doing an investigation. We'll let you know how the investigation goes. Fine. No problem. We go to court the first time. Lawyer asks for discovery. They give us some discovery. Not all of it. They give me a, um, a new date to go to court the next, the following month. Um, that following time we go, um, after we had the discovery we had, we still didn't have some of the, some of the evidence. So we had to go, you know, ask them again, the prosecutor, you know, we need more discovery. We need to know, you know, some of the police reports, some of that. Like, so it was who, some stuff, who, was who asked missing. for the dashboard cameras? Because well, that was, see, a- yeah, this was the kicker. The kicker was right almost a month later, we get another letter from internal affairs, internal affairs from Bloomfield. They say the, um, the sergeant, the lieutenant investigating the case, he says, Oh, we found no wrongdoing in the Bloomfield Police Department. My all, all the officers were uh, justified in what they did, blah, blah, blah. No wrongdoing. Okay, fine. Investigation is over. That's what they said. No more. I say about a year into the case, we had the one tape, the tape from behind the car. 
So when I when I got my first plea, the plea was five years. This was prosecution gave me five years with the tape from the, from behind the car. So they were saying that the officers were justified in doing what they were doing because I was trying to take his gun and I assault the officer while I was inside the car. And they and because that cop car was from behind, you couldn't see you couldn't that see your that. hands were up and all yeah. those other things. So so they, so they were trying to base the story off. Okay, well if you were hitting him in the car, trying to take his gun inside the car when he pulled you out and he was beating you up, they were justified for that for doing that, you know. And that was the whole thing. So they offered me five years, and, and this prosecutor would not come off this five years. So every month I was going to court, and we were trying to figure out ways to to um, get around this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's like, well, you can go to trial. You go to trial. Now you're looking at, you know, the max time, which is eight, eight to ten years, if you found guilty, you know. And even with the state, this is what she was offering me five years as a plea. So um, we're sitting in my lawyer's office one day, and um, with me and my lawyer going through the papers, and he notices um, there's a log sheet. For the for the uh, videotapes, right? Because when the incident happens, they have to take the tapes out of each car. That was three cars, but it was only two cars had video. Mm-hmm. Talk about it. Mm-hmm. So you had the one tape, some a detective signed for, and that was the tape that we had in our possession. Then there's another tape, somebody signed for, but we didn't have that tape. So he's like, "Well, we got to bring this up," you know. So he took that paper. We went to court that following time, and as we're in court, he says to the prosecutor, "He says, listen." Um, he says, there's another videotape, and it shows in our log. No, she goes, oh, what do you mean? You know, we got all of them. And she said, he says, no, there's another videotape. So he shows the paper, mm-hmm. and she sees, okay, well, maybe we got to try, try to find this discovery. Mm-hmm. So he says, okay, go ahead, get discovery. She gives another court date. When he leaves court that day, my lawyer's a great lawyer, Stephen Brown, out of East Orange. He leaves court, and um, he says, I'm going to put in an Oprah request. That's public information. It's Wait, Oprah. Oprah got something yeah. to do with it? <laughs> it's an Oprah. Movie. No wonder you got it. <laughs> but it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's something called an Oprah request where it's public information and if you, you have to request it and you, they have to give it to you. And um, what happened was he put it through to the Bloomfield Police Department and it just so happens that they had the tape and he was able to get the tape. So now he got the tape. We go to court. Now he didn't even watch the tape yet. We go to court and... Um, the prosecutor, you know, they call us up and he says to the prosecutor, he says, were you able to get that other piece of tape evidence? And she says, oh, well, we called, we tried, and they said it's no longer available. He looks at her and he pulls it out of his jacket and he says, look, I got the tape right here. Mm, and her face, in court. Her What's face, her name? What's this her, is name? Her, her, her name was uh, Nancy Hirsch. Mm-hmm. That Lying was the prosecutor. In the court. Bloomfield, New Jersey. Lying yeah. in court. So, um, she said, um, oh, well, we have to review this tape, you know, and she told the, uh, Judge, you know, we we need some more time to review. So we go downstairs and we pop the tape in. And this is a tape from the, 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 the car. The car that cut across that cut the freeway, across the ran into your car, into and is looking straight through the front window. And the first thing you see when the car hits me, you see my hands up like this. And you must have been sitting there smiling. I was sitting there smiling, and she goes, oh, well, um, I really don't, I still don't see... Um, um, when they hit him, and I still don't, I can't really tell. Make oh, out. just keep so watching the tape. Goes, oh, hold on, just keep watching, and he slows it down, and then you can see how my face, you know, my head goes to the side like that. And then she goes, "Okay, well, this can't go to trial. This can't go to trial. We need to talk to the, you know, the officers, blah, blah, blah." And then she even tried to mention, "Okay, well, let's give him probation." My lawyer said, "Do you see this tape? If you're looking at what I'm looking at." We wanted all the charges to be dismissed because it wasn't only them charges I got. I also got like ten tickets, driving traffic tickets, because they gave me speeding, they gave me you know all, everything that they can do. They did to to soup up their case and make it look better against me, you know. So, you know, she started offering probation. He said, "No, we want everything dismissed." 
She said, well, I got to talk to my supervisor, blah, blah, blah. So they said, okay, fine. Give us another court date. They gave me another court date. We come back that following um, month. So I'm in court by myself. My lawyer was late. He was in another case. And as I'm sitting there, they called my name. They said, Mr. Jeter. I said, yeah, I'm here. And as I'm sitting there, um, there's, a, there's a white guy sitting in front of me. And he um, he turns around. He says, you're Mr. Jeter? I said, yeah, I'm Mr. Jeter. He says, um, where's your lawyer? I said, well, he's running late. He had another case. And then he unrolls his paper. And in the paper, it says, Marcus Jeter versus state scheduled for dismissal. So I never, I didn't know who this guy was, but I was sitting there and I started smiling. He said, come on, come in the hallway with me. So he come in the hallway and he said, call your lawyer. I called the lawyer. Then he grabs my phone and he says who he is. He was a supervising prosecutor of Essex County. Mm-hmm. He took over the case and he was just, he said he was- Because it's a mess. It was a mess. there to dead it. He was there to dead it. He said he didn't want this to be going any further. He said they lied about stuff in the police report. They lied about internal affairs investigation. He said there was stuff missing. He said, I'm dismissing everything. And we don't have any room in our judicial system for officers like that. That's what he said. So and now, don't now, what's up with those? Now, two of those officers, two of those officers, have been charged, well, and indicted. Um, one of them, the older one, the one that had the shotgun, mm-hmm. he was the older one. They actually gave him a plea to uh, falsifying police evidence, or and he retired, and they gave him later on retired, which was a giveaway, you know. And um, the other two are not copping out to anything. They, they you know, they pled not guilty. Um, they charged him with uh, tampering. Um, the one guy. Now, who was, was the one that was hitting you? The that Spanish was, uh, one or the white was, one? That was a Spanish one. Yeah. That was Orlando Trinidad. He looked Trinidad. like a black man. Yeah. Uh, or a young Orlando Trinidad yeah. trying to make the white cops happy. Yeah. Slug, beating up on black people. Trying to get in good with the uh, with the boys in blue. Yeah. So, they're being charged right now. They're indicted. So, um, and, and are they going to do prison time or what's happening here? You don't know. I, right You're now, just happy to be a free man. I'm happy to be a free man because you know it. And, and I get a lot of questions. I get a lot of well, how do you feel since I've been doing the interviews? How do you feel about the officers being indicted and blah blah blah? And in a way, I feel like okay, we got a little justice, but I still, I'm still iffy about the legal system because the prosecutor sat right there and act like she put in a hundred percent to you know, you know, to see if I was really innocent or not. It was, it's more like you know. They look at your background and then they go, you know. What's your background? You ever been in? I, I have. I had. I had an um, incident. I'm. On, I was on PTI about ten years ago. Okay. You know, I was young. I got in a little trouble. How old are you now? Um, I'm thirty now. You're thirty years old. So yeah. at twenty, you made, made some mistakes. You made a mistake. You know, just one, one mistake. Yeah, one mistake. So you got one thing on your yeah. record. Yeah. One and thing. they. Do you believe they saw you as an easy target? I think they did. You know. And do you think it was racially motivated, or just because you were a young kid? That they felt like they could zone in on. I think it's a little bit of both, you know. But yeah. why they bother in the first place? I don't know. I, you I said, said why I did they bother? Yeah, like why? To... Why didn't they just let him drive away when his girl wasn't mad at him? Because and he gets in the car. What was the point in the beginning? Because some police, not all. There's a lot of great police officers. Mm-hmm. Some police and some police, um, I guess jurisdictions or whatever uh, precincts. Um, like to set a tone. And, you know, Bloomfield's a small town in Jersey. Um, and I believe that some of these small town police, they like to be known as being tough and setting a tone. And when they can set a tone on a young man, and it may not be race, right? But they want to get out here and set a tone and they see you as an easy target. You may not know your rights. 
right? You got a couple of things on your rap sheet, like mm -hmm. Marcus right here. They don't think, because of your past, they think, oh, okay, we can treat them any type of way. Mm -hmm. Fortunately for you, they was about to do that, but because of the dashboard cams, mm -hmm. which they're required to have on cars, um, that's what exonerated you. In your mind, when they're first in there pointing the guns, does it pop into your head that you've seen what happened, what's happened to other innocent black men in this situation before? Like, yeah, that was, that was the first thing that popped into my mind. Like, you, you know, could die. It's not like you just can think, this is a mistake, they're going to figure it out. You had to be like, no, this could really go... This could really go wrong. Like, you know, it, and it was, you know, the Sean Bells and the Amadou's and the Rodney Kings, you know, that this is all the stuff that you watch at, growing up and you hear these stories and until it actually... Until you're actually in that situation, it's like, you know, wow. And 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 more importantly, it was almost like they were setting up the stage so that if if they did have to shoot, it, they were justified. You know what I mean? Because my hands were up. He clearly knew my hands were up. And he goes, Stop trying to grab my gun. So now so you're like, damn, that's that. You know, it, it, they were they were setting up the stage so that if they did have to shoot me, you know, it was Yo, and, and for the people watching us and listening, make sure you uh, watch this Marcus Jeter uh, coverage and these tapes from these dashboard cams because I salute you. Not only did um, you have a great awareness because of, like you said, seeing what happened with the Rodney King stories and the Sean Bells and the Amadou Diallo stories, but now as young men, we are um, we're not e as easy of a target as we once were. Right. Because of dashboard cams, because we know how to act in certain certain that you had your hands up. You wasn't making any erratic moves. They had guns in his face. They was punching him and he kept his composure. But the other thing I want to point out is through all of this, this process took how long? Almost two years now. Damn, this was 2012. So two years of your life you have spent trying to keep from going to jail for mm -hmm. something you didn't do and you were victorious. It is crazy though, because then after the, after you're sitting there with guns in your face, you had to survive that. Then you end up facing five years. You had to survive that, and, and that, they still got you for two years of your life. And that was and that was a tough draw too. Just hearing them say the, the lowest plea was five, and I was sitting there. And How could the lowest girl started crying? You know, it was just crazy. You know, and you and your girl, and, and, and I'm trying. And now I gotta live my life, to, you know, for the rest of these months going by. Like I might really be doing five years, you know, and and it's crazy. You know, I mean, that, and that's that was the the lighter the lighter part of it because, like I said, I could have been dead. You know, I could have been those one you know incidents mm -hmm. where. I got the bad end of the stick, you know? What's your... Uh, there's a lot of young men who go through this all the time. Right? A lot of guys. What is your advice? You, know, you got to keep calm. You got to keep your hands up like I did, you know? And I mean, the funny thing is, naturally now, as black men, you hands, are naturally yo, taught to put your hands right up, you know? As soon as something goes, hey, you know, I don't... You know, just... You just... You try not to put yourself in situations where you don't have to be, you know? You, you may get racial profiling, you know? Just keep calm. Try not to be, you know... A jerk try not to be an asshole to the cops because you know a lot of times that can provoke stuff and if you're and if you know. your older sister is having a fight with her boyfriend go upstairs and check and make sure <laughs> don't just really dial dial you can't just call we'll just one. Dial one. i know she just cared for her sister but she should open the door and be like y'all good oh, okay yeah domestic do, domestic calls get a lot of black men in trouble yeah a lot you of, can't just, men in general you know you can't just jump to the domestic call because voices get loud it has and on that um are you and your girl still together we're we still together Man, I'm gonna lock that down. Yeah, yeah. You gonna, you gonna marry? <laughs> yeah, we're gonna get married soon. Yeah. Good for you, man. <laughs> and y'all ain't been in no fights, right? Y'all yeah, ain't been. Y'all stopped that fight. Yeah, of course you got to. I told him <laughs> not going to jail. It's not happening. His name is Marcus Jeter, man. I just wanted you to be able to share your story because it's um, 
we always hear about uh, us dying um, and being blamed for things. And we're always like, nah, but we know these cops is out here doing dirty. And I remember being a young man and police brutality, you know, where I'm from, Northern California, happened to black men a lot. Mm-hmm. And and it was NWA that used to have put out the records about fuck the police and police brutality. And this was the late 80s. And it wasn't until that Rodney King incident where we was able to be like, see, see, see. And then come to find out that Rodney King at the time was drunk and he, there were some other things, but he didn't deserve to be beaten like that. Yeah. Um, so we often hear about these cases and, and it's very rare that we actually, someone like yourself who got beat up but didn't get killed or didn't, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't that, like the Diallo cases and other things where things got, mm-hmm. and Sean Bell where things, they weren't here to talk to us about it. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to bring you up and give you a moment. Thank you, man. You know what I mean? And, and respect you and... You better have some parties because y'all know this kid Marcus G is right. a DJ. That's how I found him. He was on he was on the news and on it. He had a, a he was smart. <laughs> this guy's smart. He had a sweatshirt on, a hoodie on with his, his Twitter name. Uh, which is what? Hey, my Instagram is at one DJ Nugget, the number one DJ Nugget. And my uh Twitter is DJ Nugget1125. So follow the kid, you know. DJ Nugget1125. DJ Nugget1125 on Twitter. Pleasure, man. Thanks for coming to tell the story. Yo, man. Thank you. Appreciate it, man. You got it. All right. All right. All right. We are back. 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 We're back. You're with Dr. Harris Black Lives Matter show. Man, that was deep, deep, deep. So, what did everybody think about that? I know it's kind of pretty long documentary, but I felt it was important for all of you to uh, listen. Um, you may have questions. You may have statements. Call it to 516-387-1474, 516-387-1474. So, one of the things that I can say, you know, I uh, here in Fresno, myself, uh, Gloria Hernandez, uh, Ralphie, Brown Barretts, uh, a lot of people have passed on. Um, Ellie Brewsting, may she rest in peace. Um, ben Benedictus. There's a lot of people who have have been on the front lines in Fresno trying to make things better for you, Okay. Call-in number is 516-387-1474. I apologize for not... uh, Well, let me just put it on. Let me just type it on here real quick so you all can have it. Uh, I apologize. Call-in number is... 516... Three eight seven one four seven four. Okay, there you go. That's the call in number for tonight. Call in if you have something you want to say. Um, we're gonna get down into some nuts and bolts real quick because I feel that it's important that we have a conversation tonight about police. First of all, what I want to say is is that there's been a lot of people. Um, here in Fresno that has been for many, many years uh, trying to um, 
change policy here from bad policy, old policy to good policy. But one of the things we have to understand is, is that we have a good old boy network here in our police department, from the police department to the sheriff department. We never really hear too much about the higher patrol. Uh, mainly it's more of the sheriff and um, um, Fresno PD. Um, so every once in a while we'll get a, a case with a higher patrol, but not, not like Fresno PD. Uh, we have one of the most corrupted, corrupt police department in the nation. Uh, we have uh, our, our good friend Jerry Dyer, former chief of police, is now the mayor of Fresno. A lot of you know that I ran for mayor of Fresno. Thank you all for your support. And I will get that thank you letter out here soon. I apologize. Um, and that's scary. That's scary to have the one of the most corrupted police departments and now the person who was over the police department of the corruption is now your mayor. Uh we tried to run it we did run, we run it we ran a good campaign, but um we were outspent. Politics today is about money, uh not conversation. Uh that's just the way it is. But um I played this documentary tonight because I need for our people to understand, I'm going to say this again, that all cops are not bad. But we have a system that is in place that protects the corrupt cops inside of the police department. This is why the Black Panther Party did not believe in police. The Black Panther Party policed their own community. Okay, And so the white man had a problem with that because they always want to police us, right? So my motto is do for self or be a slave. Do for yourself or be a slave. I mean, it's that simple, okay? And, but what what's happening is right now is that this brother here that you just seen and watched uh, went through two years of going to court. And, be, and he went to court and the DA knew that the cops had did police brutality on this man, but they felt that the system that they were inside would protect them. See, a lot of us as black and brown people, we can't afford to go hire a Johnny Cochran. A lot of us cannot afford to go and just, you know, put $10,000 down, $30,000 down to get... Uh, legal representation. We're, you know, a lot of us are poor people just making it from day to day. But you have a government system that's supposed to be taking care of you that's taking advantage of you. There's many, many, many cases in Fresno. I can show you how Fresno PD came out and just gunned people down left and right. I mean, in cold blood. And these cops get off. They get off. They said, oh, well, we're going to put them on administrative leave with pay. And they go to the lake. They go play golf. And here it is. Your loved one been shot in the back, shot in the head by police. And here you are paying taxes for it. I mean, it, it's just unbelievable that we pay taxes in this city and across the country to be brutalized. I mean, you would think that we would have people out in the streets like saying, no, we're not going to put up with this. 
You know what? I sent a message to one of my uh, colleagues today. And I told her, I said, you know, I need for you, because when I think about stuff, I have to write it down right there. I said, I need to do a show, a show on Black Fresno. And here's the title. Why Black Fresno do not love Black Fresno. That's the title of the show. Why Black Fresno do not love Black Fresno. So in other words, how come black people don't love black people? I don't get it. I had a brother at work today. And I have a caller online. We're going to get to you real quick. And the brother called me outside. And he says, you know, he said, I want to tell you something. He said, I've been talking to some of the coworkers. And they've been telling me about your community activism work and, you know, blah, 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 blah. I said, yeah. He said, you know, I know we kid around and there. We laugh, you know, let the day go fast. I said, yeah, it's all cool. He said, but I want you to know that, you know, I was listening to one of your shows and he was talking about the police beating a homeless man up by Blackstone and a bullet. And that's when we brought Cop Watch to Fresno. Me, Ralphie, my summer, we brought Cop Watch to Fresno to teach the people how to videotape the police. I went on the Ray Appleton show and um you know, they call themselves trying to jam me and all of this. And I helped my own with them. I mean, I was knocking them out like Barry Bond. You know, you come at me, you better come right. All right? Because you're not dealing with no paper boy here. I'm very seasoned and know what we're doing. So the brother said, he said, I just want you to know, man, that I really, really appreciate what you do for us. And when he said for us, he was talking about black people. He said, you know, it must be a lot for you to, you know, stand up against the police, speaking out, marching, protesting. And I said, yeah, it is. And I could really, you know, because I don't get much compliments from nobody, right? <laughs> so when someone has complimented me, you know, I'm like, oh, thank you, thank you. For over 30 years, I don't get many compliments and I don't do it to get compliments. But when someone want to say thank you, you know, and they're sincere, you know, I, I accept it. And he said, man, he said, you know, I looked at some of your videos and stuff. And he said, I just, I just didn't know a lot of this was going on at Fresno. I said, yeah. I said, Fresno is a, is not a good place for black people. I just told him straight up. I said, it's not a good place for us. I said, we don't have the numbers here. We don't have no unity here. I said, a lot of our churches are segregated and divided. I said, you know, it's just not a good place for us, bro. I said, but we as people have to stand like our ancestors. I said, our ancestors stood in this country. And they didn't have Instagram. They didn't have Facebook. They didn't have Twitter. They didn't have a laptop. They didn't have an iPad. They didn't have an iPhone. They didn't have a, uh, uh, whatever the kind of flip phones, whatever you, you call those phones. 
I said, but what they had was, they had unity. They understood that in order for them to, to overcome, that they had to believe in one another. I said, that's what our ancestors had. I said, that's how Black Wall Street was built. It was built with blood, sweat, and tears. I said, that's, that's how Black Wall... I mean, I said, after slavery, there was over 40 plus towns built by black people. Over 40. And I said, they were all burnt down to the ground by the racist white man and the Ku Klux Klan and the U.S. government. I said, but, but you all love this government. Not Sam per se, him. But I said, you know, people have faith in this government. I mean, the same government that destroyed Black Wall Street, dropped bombs, nitro drifting bombs on our ancestors' houses in 1921. Look it up for yourself. So people want to talk about 9 September 9 September uh 911 is the worst terrorist attack. It's not the worst terrorist attack. The worst terrorist attack was in 1921 when the US government dropped bombs on black people's homes. But because you don't know your history, you will let the white man teach you that September 911 the World Trade Center was the worst terrorist attack on American soil. No, it wasn't. So you allow them to educate you and mislead you to make you think that their information in their books is true. No, it's not. So we sit here in a country called United States of America. I call it United Snakes of America. But United States of America, what do you want to call it? That has never had no love for you. Today, and I'll have love for your ancestors. We are the children of the ancestors. We are their children. They hated us then, and they hate us now. So I'm just saying, we have to have a conversation. You know, where's our black media? This, this is why, you know, I'm live streaming now. We're podcasting now. We've uh, got our uh, blog talk radio. So, I mean, we got three networks going on right now, going global right now, worldwide, to educate people, especially black people, people, but especially black people, about who you are. You come from kings and queens, man. You, you just don't know how sweet you are. You know, and this is why, and I'm gonna get to our caller right now. They're waiting on the line. That you have to, you have to listen to this show tomorrow. You have to. Maria Elts, Aline Reed, they throwing it down at eight o'clock. I believe the show is already up. I haven't checked my Facebook yet. I think it's already up. I'm not sure, but if it's not up, it'll be up. I'll make sure it get up tonight. But you have to listen to the show because, see, last Tuesday they talked about the black superwoman. The black superwoman, okay? Now, this week they're going to be talking about the black superman and what does that mean for the man and the woman coming together to unite. Because I'm going to be honest with you. We have a dysfunctional <laughs> black community, a dysfunctional Black families. 
Call in 516-387-1474. We want to have a conversation. We're talking about police brutality tonight. We're talking about our brother Marcus, who uh, uh, those of you who've seen the video, um, call in. Maybe, maybe you agree. You know, I, I say that the black man is the most dangerous, hunted down man in this country, black and brown people. We're gonna go to the we're gonna go to the mic now. Uh 516-387-1474. Please call in. You with Dr. Harris Black Lives Matter show. We're talking about police brutality. Caught on tape. And the victim wins. Brother Marcus, you are on my show tonight. Welcome to the show. Hey, how are you this evening? I'm, I'm good. Um, that video, uh, number one, I was just, even though it took, took two years for him to, to gain that victory, um, it's just refreshing. It's always refreshing to hear about a victory, um, even though we have to go the long haul to get it uh, most times. Um, and then also thank you for putting in the uh, word for tomorrow night's show. The black Superman, right. and and how does he, you know, how does that fit into this conversation of of uniting uh, black men and women, and and then inevitably the black family unit and restoring the black family unit. So you, you're right; everything starts with uh, conversation and dialogue, and people being open to hear about uh, the pain and, and taking those serious. And even if they disagree, we can agree that uniting couldn't be a bad thing, <laughs> but it, it, it's definitely needed. So that video, um, it just took me through, you know, the process. A, a lot of people know uh, that my son uh, was involved in a case in 2016 where he was uh, basically... Uh, attacked and excessive force was used against him for allegedly attempting to jaywalk. Um, and sort of like, uh, I saw some similarities, like I've, I've seen in so many cases, because once my son did get charged with assault, as a, as a juvenile, at 16, once he did get charged with assaulting an officer and resisting arrest, um, I didn't have money, you know, the starting retainer for a lawyer to take the case was seven thousand dollars and not just a retainer you know and i had to depend on a public defender my son had to depend on a public defender and not a very uh, seasoned public defender at the time so um i just saw some things number one was with the initial contact the officer refusing to have a conversation about what went wrong. It was non-threatening. You know, jaywalking is a non-threatening infraction, you know. Um, so w what was so hard about the officer saying when, when my son asked him, you know, hey, what did I do wrong? Can I call my a parent? Can I call a, a parental authority? And the officer refused to listen, refused to uh, engage in any conversation. And within four seconds, uh, not physical. So, just like in this, you know, refusal to answer the question, 
use an excessive amount of force, uh, trumping up the, the police reports, falsifying police reports. Uh, we know Starry son, um, they falsified his police reports on more than, more than one occasion. Um, and, and then the fight that comes. You can't, in this case, they was able to uh, afford an attorney. In some cases, we are. But what do you do when you can't? Even when you do uh, have the money to get an attorney, that does not always mean that attorney is going to go full force for you. You know, he could have, he or she could have a, a big caseload. Um, maybe they are, you know, just are out for money and don't really want to put in the work. Um, and so you have to do a lot of research on your own. And even people that I've known that have had attorneys have still had to do a lot of research of their own. I looked at other cases. I looked at what does excessive force mean. I looked at when can you fight back as a citizen to protect yourself from a from an officer. And there are cases <laughs> where you can protect yourself. And not only can you protect yourself, but the spectator who is witnessing the trauma that or abuse that's being afflicted by the authority can also intervene. Um, but of course, we know that's extremely risky. Um, it's something that you would more than likely have to have videotape from start to finish. Um, and then like this uh, man in, in the video that was affected by this and eventually won, it's time consuming. Once in court will break you down. You know, we went to court for, uh, for nearly a year and we went to court 15 times. And so I can imagine how this one, this guy in this case is going just about every month for two years. Just that alone can break you down. It can break you down mentally, emotionally, financially. And the court system, I believe, they know this, um, and they hate when you do it. And so the next thing I saw is that they tried to backpedal once they did find out that they didn't have a case. Same thing with my son. Once the evidence comes out, and it's not in favor, and it proves that the officer falsified the report, then it's backpedaling. Um, and it's oftentimes, the prosecutors know this. So um, just like in the mayor's race, what we kept bringing out is, you know, what had Jim done um, to uh, to show that he had any kind of care or concern uh, for the plight of people of color, especially black people, and he didn't do like the second prosecutor in this case. And this is what we were looking for, I believe, in the black community, was this prosecutor said, hey, you know what? I looked at this stuff, and I'm, I'm not going for this. I'm not going to let this. I'm not going to represent a case with a falsified police report when we have this evidence that this uh, man did not do anything that this police officer, this police report is saying is done. As a matter of fact, we would go after these officers and prosecutors just for them pulling this. Now, if we had a judicial system, and if we had maybe saw that uh, kind of tenacity or record with Andrew Jans, I believe he would have got, um, uh, he would have been uh, more convincing as somebody who would actually be even a little concerned about the interest in, in well being a black folks. Um, but when you go to long haul, you refuse those plea deals, and when you know that you have not, not done that crime to fit that time or a crime at all, you really have to stick to your conviction because they will try to break you down with time. They will try to break you down uh, by making you scared and saying, hey, you're going to be safe for five years if you don't just plea out or if you don't take this deal. Um, so it, it, it takes people backing you so you can be brave 
the confidence it takes to see all the spirituality that you possess to get through something like this. So you have to sit to your gun when you know that you have not done anything wrong. And that's extremely hard to ask someone when they have a family and when they have a job and they could just basically lose everything if they don't plead, you know, or if they don't plead, they could face all this time. Um, and so I just commend him because I know how hard he is and everybody else that's had to do it um, for sticking in there and getting that victory. You know, my son got a victory in the end because he stuck to it and all charges were dropped and his records or failed. So uh, it, I, I just, it just really took me back that just over the years, the thing is over and over, both before and especially after my son uh, uh, incident in case. Um, it just showed me that there is a pattern and we have to educate our people on the steps to take when this does happen and be able to have resources, attorneys and so forth available to them. So um, it's not so easy to make this a target. Not so easy going after that black person and feeding them from the uh, school to prison pipeline. So those, those are just my thoughts on, well, on the video and some, some things I took from it. Well, l let me ask you this. Um, I, I remember that uh, case like yesterday. Uh, you know, because I was actually looking for you. Um, I was hosting a town hall meeting. That's one thing people have to understand about me. You know, some people like me, some people love me, and some people hate me for whatever reason. They never have a reason to hate me. But the bottom line is when something in our community go down, I'm there. Uh, you don't have to look for me. I'm there. Uh, you look over your shoulder. I'm there. So that's 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 the presidents that I have... Uh, legacy that I've had in, in Fresno for many, many years. Uh, I believe it was an organization that told you uh, you were looking for help. And uh, um, and they said, hey, you know, uh, uh, Reverend Harris is having a town hall meeting about your case tonight. And you're like, oh, really? <laughs> so you got over to our place. Yeah. And um, but I, I so I want to talk about some. We have another caller on the line. Uh, I, I, I see you, 3205. Please don't hang up. Um, I want to talk political right now because at the end of the day, well, you know, we can march, we can hold uh, vigils, we can do, you know, all that stuff, right? But political, mm -hmm. how did this affect you political personally when your son was arrested uh, the video for some reason I can't find a video on uh, YouTube. I don't know if you could send it to me if you can uh, of the incident at Hoover. Uh, but political, at the end of the day, this is all politics. And how I have a couple of questions. Number one, how did this politically affect you, or was you politically savvy, or non-savvy uh did you have to hurry up and learn was there other players involved that was maybe trying to you know cover up and like hey you know you know we can you know we can just die this down you know who are the players that came to you 
trying to help you or was there people trying to like brush it under the carpet like hey you know and then um take it from there i like to know politically how did this affect you you not just you but you and your son well um politically uh the first thing that happened before the schools reached out i had you know city council and uh, superintendents from fresno unified school district reaching out wanting to talk to me and want my son to be open to sitting down with the officer and just shake your hands and you know posing for some photo ops on the basketball court to you know show and and, and try to put the pressure on me and my family and my son to say hey you guys can show all the rest of the world how fresno deals with you know incidents of police brutality you know all we need your son to do is admit that he did something wrong you know look he he didn't he shouldn't have panicked like that look he should have stayed calm he should have listened to the officer so um i wasn't willing to take that blame and i wasn't willing to let my son take that blame or being the, having the pressure of being the example to the world by kumbaya with uh, somebody who had just assaulted and traumatized my son which ultimately traumatized the entire family you know psychologically financially, emotionally, you know, just drained pretty much the life out of me. I spent a year depressed. He's been a year depressed. He has not been the same uh, since, you know, I don't believe I, I was the same, have been the same since. Uh, so politically what surprised me is that people, because these were black men who uh, basically summoned me um, to say, hey, we heard about this. Let's play nice. Let's get through this. Oh, we'll be there. But the minute I, I stood up and said no, you know, then it got ugly. Then it was like, okay, well, we tried. We're going to, you know, you didn't want to listen. So now uh, we'll, we'll make it harder for you, you know. Uh, so I was just shocked. I was in shock because I thought these black men were there to say, hey, this was wrong. We're going to uh, do what we need to do to organize, uh, to let it be known that, you know, our kids shouldn't feel like they're going to get accosted by an officer, uh, choked, thrown to the ground because they're tempted to jaywalk. How, how did doing that protect my son from being harmed? The whole purpose of the traffic control officer is to make sure that uh, the traffic is flowing by nobody's uh, disobeying the traffic laws pedestrians are safe but you put him his life basically at risk because he allegedly because you were trying to keep him from getting hurt by uh, by a vehicle you know it, it just doesn't add up to me so I was just shocked I was shocked that the black community um, criticized and demonized and went along with social media narrative of my son as opposed to um, uh, being supportive and saying, hey, we're going to get something together. Um, I was surprised for where my help came because it didn't come from the community organizations that I gave, gave and still and given my life to serving. It didn't come from um, the spiritual leaders and the leaders of the church that I had been attending since I was a child didn't come from the community. It came from somebody who I had seen on TV, Fighting Justice, and the Center for Nonviolence, who put me in contact with you. 
So um, that's what I learned about politics, that number one, my black community wasn't behind me, save for a a small handful of people. And that I had to uh, do my homework, do my research, and expect to have to put in the fight, you know, to to, uh, get him, get those charges dismissed. I had to do a lot of work. I had to become an impromptu attorney and learn as much as I could in a year. So as, that definitely changed as, my political as, views. As, as, as a mother, as a black mother with children here, uh, raising your children, work here, uh, what I... So let me, let, me, let me see if you agree or disagree with me um, on something here. So we have a lot of people listening on live stream now. A lot of people see me on TV. A lot of people see me marching. A lot of people say, there you go again. You know, he's a troublemaker. Okay, I get all that. You have a right to your opinion. I told this brother today. He was thanking me for, you know, my, you know, being a gatekeeper over the black community and all the things I, you know, do in the community. And I said, you know, I don't do it alone. I said, there's people with me. I said, but what makes me sad about Black Fresno, and this is why I want to have this radio show. May, may We may have two or three series on it. Why Black Fresno do not love Black Fresno. That, that's the title of my next show. I told him, I said, you know, Lord forbid that you leave work, minding your own business, and the police pull you over. You call me. I'm on my way. I get there, they got you in the back of the car, you all beat up, whatever the case is, they take haul you to jail. I told him, I said, the history of Fresno, in my 30 years of doing activist work, I said, the people that's going to come to your aid with me are going to be almost non-black people. I said, now, my inner circle, black folks, you know, white folks, mongs, gay lesbians, whatever. And is, if they do it to Sister Elsa's son, they'll do it to your son. If they do it to this man's daughter, they'll do it to your daughter. But, but, but Brother Tony... And they damn sure will but, do it to you. But, but, but Brother Tony, let, let, let me ask you a question there, because you, you're you're a stakeholder in the community. You went to high school here in West Fresno. So if anybody knows Fresno, I would, I would say that you know Fresno. But what happened to our black community standing together in unity when injustice has happened to somebody in our community things happen today i i can't i mean i'm i'm telling you it used to be a time where black pastors would i mean i remember reverend Dahl. i mean i remember reverend garrett i i, I remember uh my uncle chester rick but what what happened today i mean I, the church used to be a very powerful entity government did not want to go up against the churches uh, back in the day, but where is our leadership? Exactly. Where is our leadership right now? That's my question. Where is the black leadership?
that's saying we are the gate. And I'm not talking about having pastors appreciations and all that. I'm talking about an injustice has happened to a mom, a dad, a daughter. Where is the black community leadership in Fresno? Well, just like you mentioned, uh, and Pastor Riggins was my pastor back in the day. I'm going to say that. But just like you mentioned back in the day, Pastor Riggins, Pastor Gordon, uh, Jimmy Hall, who was over at Mount Zion, where I started out at, okay? Reverend Dahl, all these cats, when something, now they knew each other in the community. A lot of them had worked together in the community or crossed paths. But the thing about them was, whatever differences they may have had, when something went down, they came together because they realized there was protection and power in numbers and in force. What has happened now is they have developed this mindset, and there are plenty of brothers that passed through here, but they have developed this mindset. If I go out there and I do it for mine, and I kind of make a name for myself, and I'm out here uh, posting myself, praying for folks out here on the street, and and, and, and doing different things, I'm going to get a following. And if I get a following, I get to know some of these people, hey, I can I can make a name. I can do it for myself. I can do everything, make it look good over here. And that is the problem. Instead of making it look good for the community, they are worried about self. They are worried about a self-image instead of a community image. And don't realize that with that community image, you have much more power. Well, you know, we're... we're because it's harder. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Pat. Well, you know, we're, we're here watching this video with uh, Maria Elk's son being attacked by the Fresno Police Department. This went viral. Uh, there's really no reason for this police officer to have put his hands on this young man uh, to take his backpack and choke him uh, with this backpack and then slam him to the ground right. and then choke him again. I believe it was Eric Gardner in, uh, I believe it was New Jersey or New York who uh, said, I cannot breathe. Uh, and then these police officers, they get promoted uh, just because uh, uh, I believe because the color of their skin. Uh, I don't believe, uh, now watch this, I don't believe a black police officer can go up in North Fresno and grab a kid in the same context as this young man is being grabbed. I don't think a black police officer uh, uh, could take a white kid that goes to Buchanan High School uh, and take his backpack that his mom and dad bought and choke the hell out of him like this white police officer is doing here, totally disrespecting him, first day of school, traumatizing him, want to humiliate him, and then slam him to the ground, and then choke the hell out of him, calling for backup, as if this young man has posed a threat to him. This is the type of, tr this, is, this was under the leadership of Jerry Dyer. Okay, I want everybody to understand this. This is your, this is your mayor now. And so if a black police officer would do the identical same thing to a white kid that goes to Clovis West, Buchanan High School, any white school up north, trust me, white folks here in Fresno will, will, will pull out a noose, 
okay, and have a town hall lynching messing with their children like this. Because, see, they feel because our children are black, they have no parents, uh, uh, they're foster care. It doesn't matter. They are a human being, and they're someone's child, and you do not have a right to do this. And so this is what we're talking about tonight, the treatment of how black men get caught up with police and police, they do too much. They don't, they don't have to do all of this. They're the one that is inciting a riot. They are the ones that's sitting here uh, 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 bringing a hostile environment into our community. I mean, it's just time. It's just, it's, it's just, it happens every day across America. And then, we, and then they come in our community, Brother Tony, with, 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 with uh, 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 hot dogs and bounce houses. And they want to talk about they want to mentor our children. But at the same time, you have no respect. Matter of fact, you don't even live in our community. Okay? You just, you just, you're a blood sucker coming in here, taking our, got a job, getting some training so you can move up north and get promoted. While you can shoot a couple of our kids in the back down here in West Front. So this is something that's been going on for over 30 years. I've been, you know, doing my best, you know, folks in the community have been trying to do their best to change policy. I mean, you know, it, it, it was a, the, 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 C, the Central California Justice Committee led by Ellie Bluestein, who just passed away. May she rest in peace. You know, trying to get an independent police auditor here in Fresno, you know, and, and because of politics again, you know, the, the, the police union, you know, they're the ones who fund all of those who run for city council. So, so, you know, once you get on city council, Hey, don't remember who signed that check for you. So you better vote our way. So we, we're just dealing with nothing but a big plantation here in Fresno. That's why I call it Mississippi Fresno, because it's just a big plantation here. It has done nothing but hurt people, hurt people, hurt people, manipulate people, sending our children. Look at them choking him on the ground. Why would you choke a little, choke a, a, a kid on the first day of school, choking him on the ground where he can't breathe? And then you think that he's going to get up uh, and say, uh, thank you, Mr. Officer. This child is traumatized for life here. I know this young man. He's traumatized. Look at choking him. Literally choking him on the ground. Choking him. Just, I mean, the kid couldn't even breathe. So it's, 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 you know, that these cops can do what they want to do. But, you know, this new mayor coming in, Jerry Dyer, he best understand we're going to be on his helmet first day. So when he, when he's sworn in, trust me, when he's sworn in, he got to see me and he got to see all my people and he got to see my clique and my community because we're going to let him know that we're going to be on your helmet, Mayor Dyer, since you have turned Fresno into a plant, a, a plantation, we're going to be the ones that's going to make sure that we hold you accountable. And that's just the way it is. Maria, you at 3366-3366. I know, you know, watching this video has to really uh, do something to you. Uh, you know, I mean, just human, just out of humanistic to see your child that you carried in your stomach for nine months to birth to be treated like he's a common criminal, uh, to be treated uh, by uh, a police officer that you pay taxes for to protect and serve. And, you know, 
Again, I asked the question, where was the black community at when this happened? You know, it's like those did yeah, come out. Again. They, I, mean, I, I just don't understand. I, it just makes me so... I think that's why I'm so tired right now is seeing, you know, uh, people that should be standing, not standing. Should be standing, not standing. Uh, but anyway... Right. Uh, and, go ahead. And the thing about that is um, we're going to have to make outside coalitions in order to fight that back. My thing is if you didn't realize it when he was the chief of police, you better understand that now. Because during his tenure as chief of police, he literally went to war on the black community. And me personally, yeah, I have no love for this cat. Because rather than police my neighborhood, he destroyed my neighborhood. And that's right, I'm talking about the youth. Where Gaston sits now, he had my entire neighborhood destroyed. Because they felt they couldn't control this. So you can say what you well, want, but everybody in there was not a criminal. Everybody in there was not a drug dealer. So you can 86 that, that bull. Well, what we're gonna do, brother Tony? We're gonna go. I'm gonna well, ahead and play. Knows. I'm gonna go ahead and play this yeah, video. It, it I'm gonna go ahead and play this video one time, and then uh, so everyone can hear the audio because I know they didn't hear the audio. But I'm gonna go ahead and play this just one more time. Hey, 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 let me call my dad, cuz. Hey, hey, I'm telling you, let sit him, down now. Let him go. 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 Get up on the ground. Hey. Get on the ground. Get on the ground. Black lives matter. Hey, nigga, get up on the ground. Get off of them. Get up on the ground. Black lives matter. Let them go. Let them go. What is your name? Let go. Let go. Let go. Let go. Let go. Let go. Get up on me. Yeah, you didn't fuck up now, huh? Let go. Let go. Get up on me. Sit down. You're under arrest. For what? You're under arrest. What? Right now, for battery on an officer. Battery. Battery, do not roll.
department other than they're just a bunch of well I won't say that on the air um, but when you was first called about this situation um, what what I mean were, were you in disbelief I mean were you like you know uh, this can't be happening to my son uh what 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 was your first when you because you went to the scene right yes right. i was uh murdered by a, a, a actually a neighbor who um kids go to our, both our kids went to uh hoover and so yes it was disbelief and you you did number go number one because my son had never been in serious any kind of serious trouble and number two i couldn't imagine anything that my son could have done to have an officer arrested him ambulance there and him in the back of a police car uh, 30 minutes of dropping him off for school and that backpack that he was chuckling he he worked all summer little odd jobs to buy the type of clothes he wanted to buy the backpack he wanted because as a mom I wasn't paying seventy eighty dollars for a backpack you know but that's what he wanted he worked for it so he was humiliated by this officer and he was being told to sit on the ground and he had no idea what he had done wrong all he knew that the officer said make sure you use the crosswalk and he used the crosswalk in the body cam footage that was uh, presented at the juvenile uh, court, which a trial for juvenile is called adjudication, is what a trial is called. And the body cam footage shows that he had never jaywalked, and he had uh, the officer had approached him, and it was viewed that he went around and went through the crosswalk. So the officer had no uh, reason to then drive to the other side of the street park at the curb and basically uh, you know I saw my son within four seconds of him stepping onto that curb and being stopped by the by the officer a second time what is your initial reaction to see a white police officer choking your son with his own backpack you know, I, I hadn't, I, I wasn't overseeing it. I already, I was infuriated when the officer told me, oh, your son's about to jaywalk. I told him to go through. He went through a crosswalk, but he kind of ran through it, and, you know, and I, I, I wanted to talk to him, uh, but he didn't want to talk to me, which we saw that, you know, he was trying to get some help. <laughs> um, and, and so, you know, we had a little scuffle. 
We have a lot of folks watching. I'm replaying the video now. Um, when you went to court, what happened when you went to court? How long did you go to court? Did your son get sentenced? What? How did that all end? Um, well, they did. Uh, I had this come getting from juvenile hall that day. He had been taken to the hospital because. They had been injured uh, by the officer. They, they didn't allow me to go into the hospital. They never to this day released uh, his medical records from that day to his uh, pediatrician at the time. And we went to court for 10 months. We went to court 15 times. Um, I exhausted all of my vacation pay, all my sick leave. Uh, he missed more days than in school than he had in all his school years combined. Uh, he still graduated thanks to uh, your advice to get him out of Hoover High School where he was uh, definitely uh, being targeted by uh, uh, quite a few of the staff members there. Um, and yeah, it just took, it, it took a toll and, and, and it, it was a long process. And how, it, how, it, would, it would have been a lonely, unsupported process had it not been for um, one minute to you and the folks you align me with. So how long did you go to court? Ten months, almost a year. Ten months. And when you were in court, what was the final decision of the judge? The final decision was all charges, both charges, uh, Assault on an officer and resisting arrest charges were dropped uh, and dismissed in his records order field uh, because the video showed that uh, my son never put his hands above his shoulders, which means that my son used the minimum force he felt necessary to stop himself from being killed. So we go through all of this. So so we go through this whole scenario here. First day of school at Hoover High School. To go 
through the embarrassment, the harassment. You're being choked by your own backpack your parents bought you. Uh, again, I, I just can't imagine a black police officer choking a white kid that goes to Buchanan High School, Clovis West or Clovis, slam him to the ground, constantly choking him. And the officer gets promoted, still on the police force, uh, go have a Coke and a smile, um, just literally choking him. I, I just can't imagine a black police officer doing that and still keeping his job. I believe there would be a town hall lynching here in Fresno uh, with the white community. Uh, Chief Jerry Dyer supported the actions of his police officer. Uh, the police union, for all of our listening audience know, because I took this case on, followed it all the way to the end. Uh, the police union uh, said that they needed to make an example out of your son. They needed to make an example yeah. out of him. And when they said that, that's when I came on the show again and challenged the police union to a public debate on how in the world you're going to say that you're going to use someone's baby as an example. That 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 was just overkill. And, and to make matters worse, then we have to go to Ray Appleton's show. Tell us about the Ray Appleton show. Tell our audience about what happened about the Ray Appleton show. Ray Appleton, he, his show, he said that, um, first I want to say that I believe it's a young man who uh, was a, a schoolmate of my son. If he had not have been that my son would have been more badly injured if not killed. Um, I believe it's the attention and exposure to what was going on that prevented that officer from killing my son. Um, so Ray Appleton shows, it says, hey, these uh, these black boys are just horrible. Um, you know, after the officer uh, beat him up and choked him out, if I was their parents, I would have uh, tied them to an oak tree and basically commenced to whipping them. Um, he also uh, suggested that both of the boys should be hung on a cross. Um, I don't, I, I, we only can guess and, and imagine uh, what kind of cross they would be hung on and who, what, what type of people would hang two young boys uh, on a cross. Um, and that I, I was basically, a horrible parent, and you had the superintendent at the time of Fresno Unified School District on his show instead of defending um, and saying, hey, you know, we don't want to cause the students and their family any more trauma than they've already went through. He sat there and basically was like, well, that's why we want you to, that's, you know, our parents need to prepare their kids for school and prepare them to be respectful. This happened at 7.30, 7, between 7.30 and 7.40 in the morning. My son had his backpack prepared to go to school. All he was doing, walking across the street to get him something to drink from the store, get him some little snacks from the store. So how in the world was that not prepared? You know, this is a young man who, 16-year-old, senior year, had to overcome a lot of uh, money challenges, you know, and he he was there every day, ready to learn, good attitude, you know. Uh, no bad record. He, uh, he Did he do everything perfect? No. 
but he wasn't threatened for punishment neither, you know. He 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 was had good mannerism. All you had to do is talk to him. Had that officer had a conversation with my son, you know, that wouldn't occur. Um, but also, you know, I, I I believe everything happened for a reason, so it catapulted me to want to back and support families in the same way that you and the folks that you connected me with um, back. And it made me want to invest in, in our young folks and stand up uh, to uh, any kind of injustice, but especially um, injustice uh, enforced through law enforcement in our judicial system in Fresno. Well, I think tonight's show show really uh, 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 I wanted to uh, play that early documentary of the brother who was uh, who was framed, uh, and then the uh, the police department tried to hide the video footage, and his lawyer was able to obtain it, and then that's when they dropped all the charges. I don't want people to think that. It's against the law for police officers to lie. Uh, it's not against the law. I mean, it's a it's an ethical moral, but it's not against the law for them to lie on you. Uh, and that's that's what we've been dealing with here in our community, is that they lie. They plant they plant guns and dope and drugs. I mean, right here in Fresno, we had guns, dope, and drugs stolen right out of the evidence police evidence department. Well, I don't have a key. I don't think anybody else on the show has a key. Well, somebody has a key because they stole all the drugs, guns, and money. So, we Fresno is a very corrupt town. It's a very dangerous town, uh, and that's why you know you have to know how to maneuver in this town. You know, um, um, everybody that say they're your friend is not your friend. Um, just just Google the Centennial killing, the Dylan Noble assassination uh all that stuff you know it was under the leadership of jerry dyer and you have to understand that the district attorney works in conjunction with the police department so once they get your claws they get their claws in you they're not gonna let their claws out and if you don't have a lot of money or a good attorney it's going to be a rough, rough, rough mountain to climb. You can climb the mountain. The mountain can be climbed. But you, you're going to be out a lot, a lot of time and a lot, a lot of resources. So, um, hey there, Timothy. So, you know, we at the end of our show. I just want to give some shout-out to a few people. Thank you for tuning in tonight. I am asking everybody, everybody, tomorrow, man, log on at 7.30 if you can, 7.50. There's going to be a hot show tomorrow. I'm going to have some popcorn. I'm going to have me some, some cold to drink. I want to hear this show tomorrow with Marie Elts and Alan Reed. And so I'm going to once. Okay, she told me she's going to post the show. We're going to make sure it's up on Facebook calendar. I'm going to be pushing it across the country and across the world. And uh, again... You with Dr. Harris Black Lives Matter show, and uh, thank y'all for tuning in tonight. Thank you for having a little patience with me to watch that documentary. I don't usually do documentaries that long, but I think in the context and the content of what this brother was saying, it was important for you to understand that you can get set up by police and get into the court system. And uh, we're just gonna say good night. 
It's 9.55. Our show is off in five minutes. I want to thank Brother Tony for tuning in uh, tonight. Um, I'll be calling him in a minute. Uh, he's uh, a good, good mentor of mine. And uh, so we just want to say good night. Hotel, tune in tomorrow. I'm going to be looking at the Facebook Live. I'm going to be running the Facebook Live on it. And uh, and I believe that uh, Aline Reed is going to be in the studio tomorrow, uh, from what I'm told. So uh, I'm, 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 I'm very... I'm very, very interest, interesting to see how they're going to set this studio up. And uh look like they're going there. <laughs> that'll, that'll be nice. Look, yeah, look, look like <laughs> look like the women are growing some wings now, little feathers, and they're little flapping them. So, you know, I, 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 want, I, I want them little bitty wings, feathers to get big so they can fly like them geese, okay? And so we got to get them out of the nest. We got to get them out of the nest, Aline and Maria, out the nest so they can fly. I think that was, who sing that song? Art Kelly, I believe I can fly. Yeah, so they're going to, yeah, they're going to fly. So we're, so you all tune in tomorrow, please. So, and help them grow some wings real quick, some wings and some feathers. So they can fly, 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 fly. Thank y'all for tuning in tonight. Uh, go to my Facebook. I, I posted uh, the town hall meetings on my Facebook with uh, Maria and her son. And also Dr. Kennedy did help on that case. We thank her also, who is the co-founder of the Fresno Freedom School. And uh, we're revamping our website for the Fresno Freedom School. And uh, if you know anybody that wants some uh, 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 plants, vegetable plant seeds, Give me a call, and uh, we will make it happen. All right. We will say goodnight, and I love you all, and let's keep each other up. Peace. Thank you for using Blog Talk Radio. Goodbye. Thank you.